Welcome back to episode 143 of Your Best Year Starts Here. Now, last week I said I learned something for the first time in 141, 42 episodes. But I'm going to ask you a question now. Let's see if you know the answer. What's the fastest sport in the world? The fastest sport in the world? Yeah. When you say fastest, do you mean the one that's over the quickest or the one that's got the most speed in it? Most speed in it. Well, the thought that immediately comes to mind would be something like motor racing, but it won't be. Yep. But it won't well, you be. see, that, isn't that interesting? So in every pub quiz, that's always the answer people give. And I was listening, bearing in mind it was the Olympics last week, and it's still the Olympics probably this week. I was listening to a woman speaking, and she shocked me, and I went online to confirm it was right, and it is right. I'll give you another two guesses. £100. If it's an Olympic sport, that rules out anything that's kind of motorized. I think <laughs> um, it's it's gonna it's gonna be something that involves not a person moving at speed, but some other implement. So it's gonna be like a ball or something. Close, very being close. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be a ball or a discus or a javelin or something that's got incredible speed behind it. Um, but I'm not sure what. Cause okay. So the reason I'm asking this question is, is that sometimes we have a fixed idea about what something is, and then our belief system shares that it must be that way, and then someone surprises us, and then we think, oh, maybe some of my beliefs in the past aren't true. So are you ready for this? Badminton. Okay. See, I was I was about to say, knowing you, it's going to be something like tennis, but if it was tennis, you'd have known it already. Yeah, well, you see... I, I would have thought someone serving a tennis ball would be fast, like 140 miles an hour. Yeah. And then you hear that the, the the senior men who play at the top hit a shuttlecock at 232 miles an hour. Really? Yeah. And that's the whole point, is that you, you then start going into visualization because you want to confirm it in your brain. So our, our eyes go up to the left because that's normally where our patterns go. And we go, Really? And then you try and visualize, and then you think about the times where you play. But if you watch the sport and you see the speed of that shuttlecock going over the net at the height that it does, and it's interesting, this girl who's a, a, a silver medalist was saying sometimes she will challenge top sports stars about it. And so she's done it to cricket players. She's done it to football players. She's done it to Andy Murray in tennis, because Andy Murray can serve at 140 odd miles an hour. And she can she can hit a smash, and she's tiny at 169 miles an hour. I mean, it's insane. Here's the, here's the point: that sometimes we have a belief about something that is so strong that we could never do something, or that's far beyond our reach. And I was on a training course about 28 years ago. Okay, no, and this was the question the trainer asked. Okay, are you ready for it? Go for it. Are there any red buses in London tonight? Okay. Now, what would the obvious answer be? Yes. Yeah, but how do you know? Well, 
you don't, but there's plenty of red buses in London like every night. So why wouldn't there be you, you, So you, you assume, assume? Yeah. But it could be it's a lockdown and all the buses are in the garage and there aren't any. And the concept was until you see it, you don't normally believe it. Yeah. So yep. what aren't you seeing that you don't believe? And what are you believing that you've never seen? Yep. So, you know, you talk about tennis or you're seeing about a baseball or all these things. So here's a question for you, me, and our audience. What beliefs are holding you back? What things have you told yourself in your past that you believe you can't do? I mean, if you remember, you know, I could never speak in public. I could never sing in public. I could never do this. Well, I don't think it's never. It's either you don't want to and you don't have to. But normally I would ask an audience member, for a million dollars, would you do it? And they go, well, of course I would. Well, so you could. You may choose not to. But I was thinking, you know, a year and a half ago when we were meeting in public and you were coming to my house and we'd do the podcast this way and then we couldn't do it on Zoom. I've never done online, so I can't do online. Well, I think I can, so I had some lessons. And then I couldn't do um, a backdrop with a green screen, which I hate. And I got rid of it, and it's now back in my garage, which I'll be delighted to hear. Uh, but I've used it. It's yeah. just not my preferred way of working. Yeah. But I wonder how many things we think we can't do, we won't do, and how many sports people, before they even get to the Olympics, have thought, well, yeah, if, if I just get to the final. Now, I don't know if you remember in one of the Winter Olympics, there was ice skating going on. It was ice speed skating. And the slowest guy held back a bit, watched the three people in front all hit each other and get knocked out, and he just skated around quite slowly and won the gold medal. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen every day of the week, but I'm not, and I'm not saying everything is a possibility because I'm, I'm not going to be winning the Olympic 100 metres at 59 years old having not trained. Sure. So, you know, when people say anything is a possibility, I don't quite go with that. But I do think we can do a lot more than we ever believed I think a lot more is possible, but we get in our own way and our brain tells us stories that hold us back. Well, I mean, one of the things that I wrote about in the in the book, Dumb Beats Perfect, and I've talked about a lot on stage, is the concept of what I call legends. And the reason I say legends and not stories is because very often we didn't give them to ourselves. You know, it's those beliefs of, well, if you were born here, or if you were born this gender, or if you were born this race, or, you know, if you were born in this decade, or, like, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's a, some external factor that dictates what we think is possible for ourselves as a result, right? And one of the interesting things for me, and the thing I, I, I very often do if I'm on stage talking about this, is I say, I want you all for a minute, just to imagine, I've got two newborn babies in front of me right now, and you know nothing about them, they've both just been born, they're here in front of me. You can see them, but you can't see anything else about their lives. Can you tell me which one's going to be more successful? And everyone goes, no. And I say, okay, well, if I bring their parents in, will you start to form a view of which one's going to be successful? And everyone says yes. And the point is, if we can look at something as simple as somebody's parents or the house they're going to grow up in, or the school they're going to go to. If we can do it as an as an outsider, imagine being that person. And imagine all of the beliefs that you're going to be given through your life story and how that's going to shape what you do or don't even attempt to do. Not what you're capable of, but what you even attempt to do. And so often there are things we take as facts. We take them as, you know, non-negotiable. This is how it is. It's a fact. It's a fact. 
It's not. It's an opinion. Every single fact is just an opinion. It's an, it might be a widely held opinion, but I guarantee you every single fact that's out there, you know, there's somebody that disagrees with it. No matter what it is, there's somebody that disagrees with it. You know, if there's somebody that disagrees with it, there's more than one opinion about that thing. And who's to say that the widely held opinion is the correct one? Yeah, I'm not saying it's not, but who's to say it is? You know, unless you can prove it 100%, and I don't think anything can be proved 100%, it might be 99.9999999999%, but there's always that tiny, 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 tiny bit of doubt if you look hard enough for it. And very often the beliefs we have about ourselves that stop us doing things or make us doubt ourselves or whatever, all we need to do is find that tiny, you know, point something of a percent to say, actually, there's a slight possibility I could do something different. And as soon as you introduce that slight possibility, you then actually start to open your mind up to look for things that prove that you might be able to do that thing differently. But if you're, if you see it as a fact, as you see it is set in stone, confirmation bias will kick in and you will look for all the things that reinforce what you think you already know and a lot of change is about letting go of what we think we know and being open to what could i know instead do you know on the back of my old business card still has the question what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail yeah so i don't use that business card but it still amuses me that when i think about possibility or options, or if I really let myself believe. So I did an exercise a couple of weeks ago with a new mastermind group. It was very interesting. And the first question was, what is my negative self-talk? How does my negative self-talk show up in my life? What's my positive self-talk? And then the really cool bit came. The rest of the group said, what I see for you is... What's really interesting, it is amazing what the rest of the group see in you that you can't see in yourself, but you hold desperately about your negative self-talk about how that impacts in your life. You know, so, so for example, my negative self-talk is I could never do something online. Well, that would show up then that I could never do online presentations. My positive self-talk is I can do online presentations, and the group will then say, and we could see you speaking all over the world in the same day doing New Zealand, Australia, Sri Lanka, San Francisco. And if the rest of them could see that in you, why can't you? So this is the reverse side that sometimes we think we can't do something and we can confirm it. And we obviously believe ourselves because we've got a lot of experience and history. But when you share with a group what possibilities there might be out there and you ask them what you think it, what I could do, it is amazing what they can see in you that you can't see in yourself. So if I said to you, Neil, with all the experience that you have, with all your DJ experience, with all your video experience, with all your creative podcast experience, you could create for thousands of clients a new way of communicating to their clients if you just put yourself out there and you weren't scared. It's true. So then the question <laughs> is, what are you going to do about it if I can see that in you? Mm -hmm. it, it, so, I mean, first of all, it, it, it is true. Um, however, there is a however, having done a lot of stuff around some of those those areas and spent a lot of time thinking about it and you know working with, with with clients on some of those things and whatever what i've actually realized for me is the bit that i love all the creative stuff i do 
But the bit that probably lights me up the most is exactly what we're doing right now, which is talking about the power of conversation, but particularly the conversation we have with ourselves and how shifting that can shift your entire life. And the thing I've I've kind of started to get a lot more focused on and be a lot more selective when I'm talking to new clients on actually is, you know, when it comes to things like video, there are probably better videographers than me, right? There are people that can shoot fancier looking videos than I can. I have no doubt about that. You know, my brother's a professional photographer. He can probably, well, not probably, he can. He doesn't really do video, but he could still shoot a much better looking video than me because he totally understands all those visual aspects. That's an opinion, not a fact. I know it's an opinion, but <laughs> but the other the, the other point I was going to make is the thing that I know I'm incredibly good at, good at, and I get a lot of feedback on this, is if I'm working with someone on video, I'm not so much directing where they stand as I'm directing what they say. So I will stop someone when they say something and say, right, now say that whole thing again, but change one word. Because what you just said opens up a whole bunch of questions you don't want your clients to have. Or what you've just said, you know, works for one of your clients, but will turn off the other client that you try and work with. So, so don't say that, say this instead. And sometimes it's the tiniest, subtlest, little, subtle, most, most subtle <laughs> shift in language that makes the world a difference in terms of what the overall message is. And I think, you know, with one thing in terms of the creative process and how you do that for clients, and that is something that I have got incredibly good at is crafting those words. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not someone that bigs themselves up very often, but I know I'm good at that. Um, but the other thing for me is the internal shifts it creates for people when they do it. Because you'll see someone present the same thing four or five times trying to get it right on video. And as the script the script gets tighter for what they're really trying to say to their client, you see the shift in their head going, oh, that is what I do. Oh, oh yeah, that is, and, and, and it's just, it's literally one or two words, but those one or two words make the, the world a difference in terms of how someone then shows up in the real world based on the video they just created. And it's, and it's back to exactly what we're talking about here, really, in terms of what are your reference points? You know, a few years ago, I would not have stood here right now talking to you on this podcast saying yeah I know I'm really good at this I'd have played down my abilities in everything because that's I I thought it was arrogant to say you were good at something and I think there's a a very thin line between arrogance and arrogance and confidence and I think it's okay to be confident in fact I think it's good to be confident but I don't think it's okay to be arrogant that's one of my beliefs and it's one that's very deep inside of me and I don't like people that come across as arrogant so I don't want to come across as arrogant which means that I very often downplay what I'm capable of because I don't want to be seen as arrogant. But there are certain things over the years where too many people have told me I'm good at it for me not to believe it. And that is, and that's the point. It's like when you know you have a gift or a skill or a talent, embrace it, use it. And there are some of mine that I don't use and you're dead right. You know, things like the music production, DJing stuff. I love doing that stuff. I don't do as much with it as I, as I would like to. Um, I don't entirely know why I don't do as much with it as I would like to, but it's the reality of where I am right now. And I can accept that and embrace that and also embrace the things I know I am good at and that I do do and that I do enjoy. And so it's, it's just finding that fine balance. And I don't have all the answers. I don't think you do. I don't think either of us pretend to. And that's the other big thing for me, the, the sort of personal development, self-development, professional development industry, you know, the kind of guru industry, although I don't like that term guru. I think there's a few too many people in it who claim to be perfect. And I'm not, I never have been, I never will be. No, but I will tell you an easy way to work one thing out is look at your diary 
and see how much time you're spending on the things that you love doing. And if it's less than 80%, there's a reason why you're not having a fun and loving your life. So I'll leave you with that thought for everyone. If you're not doing the stuff you love doing and in your diary for next week is under 80% of the stuff you love doing, probably why you're going to have a shit week. <laughs> you, you, you are, I mean, again, you are dead right. You are dead right. You know, we people talk about time management. It's not, it's choice management. And um, my friend John Paul, I think, was the first person I heard actually say it's not time management, it's choice management. I don't know if, if he came up with that or if he got it from somebody else. It doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, that that nature of we get to choose how we use our time it is so true. And and again, I agree with what you're saying. You know, look at how you are using your time. You may, may or may not be the kind of person that plans their diary. But if you're not, then make notes of what you've done every day. And at the end of a week, look back and go, how much of my time did I actually spend on the things I wish I'd, I wish I'd done? You know, and, and that's fine. the point. If you're loving your life, it was about 80%. And if you're not loving your life, it's probably under 60%. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, here's, here's a point to leave things on. My own belief in life, okay? I want to spend more time doing things and with people that turn hours into minutes and less time spending spent with people and things that turn minutes into hours. And what I mean by that is we've all had that, you know, that 30 minutes that feels like it's been a week and we're checking our watch constantly. And then we've all had that experience where we're like, oh, why is it got to end? And it might have gone on for five or six hours and it feels like it's been five minutes. I okay, want, well, hey, I want okay. more of the latter in my life, less of the former. Don't get me wrong, I want to live a long life and I want to feel like I've lived a long life. But I want to enjoy as much of it as I can. And my experience is that old saying of time flies when you're having fun is completely true. So if your week feels slow, revisit it. If your week feels like it's flown past, it's probably been a good week. But a little exercise to do is to write down 20 things you love to do get ready for this when was the last time you did it did it involve people and did it cost much money and you may be very very surprised that lots of things that you love to do don't take much money doesn't need that many people and you haven't done it for some time yep if you're doing the things you love doing and it doesn't take that much money and it's with the people you like being with and you've done it recently your life probably works leave you with that thought awesome uh, you know what to do if you enjoy this show. Give us a review. Uh, you, well, I'll rephrase that. Give us a five-star review. If you can give us a one-star review, send us a message instead and explain why. You can still leave the review, but give us some you know, give us some explanation as to why you're doing it first. Um, and share this with your friends. You know, it's always good for us to get these things out to more people. And we can only do that with your help. So we appreciate you listening, but we also appreciate you sharing. And with that, we will see you next week. Your best year, it starts right here.